It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.06 on a Saturday morning, 70.1 degrees outside, 20 more to go for the afternoon. Hot this afternoon. Get your gardening done this morning if you possibly can. Mow the lawn and get it done. Go inside and have sweet tea. That'd be a great thing to have after you mow. 404-872-0750, the number on Lawn and Garden. Let's get to the phones real quickly. Curtis is in Alpharetta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Curtis, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Morning to you. How can I help? Well, I've got a garden, uh, I've got a groundhog, and he's probably eating about eight or nine cantaloupe, and I haven't gotten a single one. Doggone that. Oh, killing me. So I sent a trap and I uh, caught a raccoon. Uh, it was probably about a 25-pound raccoon. It was a big one. Right, right, right. Um, but, the, um, but the groundhog's still out there, so I'm not sure best way to get rid of him. I've had heard something, and I just went out and bought the other day uh, some of these uh, little smoke bombs you can yeah. throw down at the gar- groundhog hole. They sometimes work and sometimes don't because the pen- the smoke just doesn't penetrate far enough down in the in the hole in the tunnel to get to the groundhog and kill them effectively. So you can try it if you want to. Do you, you do you know where the hole is? You do, don't you? I know where at least one hole is. All right, right. you know where one is. I think it's back to that live trap. I think baiting it with you know, broccoli and a little bit of apple and some other things that groundhogs might be very interested in. Maybe some cantaloupe would be an idea. And put that in the back of the trap and try to catch them that way because uh, I don't know anything else to say. There's no repellents or anything like that that works. So you can fill the hole with uh, rocks and dirt and see what they do. If they may move away to someplace else, and then they're out of your hair. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a tricky one to catch. Yeah, they are. They're not that many. You know, I've gotten calls occasionally from people in Alpharetta, Milton, and further maybe up for Scythe County and places in, in North Georgia about groundhogs. But rarely do we see groundhogs in the middle of Atlanta on down. No, but it's just you guys. You get the, get the groundhogs in Alpharetta. Well, the other thing I've got going is uh, my hydrangeas uh, have not bloomed at all this year. Yeah. Uh, we can cut them back and. Uh, and they've gotten really big, but not a single blend. Well, if you had read the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Thursday, that was my lead article, my lead Q&A Thursday, because so many people said the same thing that I needed to explain, why hydrangeas haven't bloomed very good this year. Frankly, not last year either. They didn't bloom very good in 2014 at all. And it's all about winter cold. The top three, one, two, three, four maybe, buds on the end of a branch are the ones that send out the next year the flowering parts that make the pretty hydrangea flowers. So during the wintertime of 2013, 2014, it got so cold that it froze the tip, one, two, three, four, five maybe, buds, the ones that would normally send out flowers. And so last year, 2014, there weren't many flowers then. And this year, we had another couple of cold snaps in the wintertime that froze the ends of many hydrangea bushes, and so no flowers 2015 either. But they're healthy plants. I mean, you've got green foliage, I'm sure. You've got a nice-looking yep. shrub. And if we don't have cold, cold weather this winter, you'll have flowers next year. So should I uh, try to trim back some of the old wood at all uh, during the uh, off-season? And uh, if it gets a certain temperature, should I try to cover them? If it's dead wood, yes. You can take that off right now with no problem. If it is live wood with foliage on it, 
I would not prune it right now because right now is when they start making those buds that will make the flowers for next year. And if you do much pruning at all here in, in August, you're going to be cutting off some of the, the the buds that will make flowers. So a little pruning here and there is no problem, but overall shearing or shortening of the of the limbs after August 1st, I think is taking uh, too big of a risk of not having any flowers in 2016. So I wouldn't do much pruning if I did at all. And cover it in the winter at all? Uh, if, if Kirk is saying, yeah, we're going to have 15 degrees overnight, bring your pets in, cover your hydrangeas. Yeah, that's a good idea. But if Kirk just says, well, it's going to be normal wintertime temperatures, 25, 26 or so, that probably does not require any covering. Okay. Thank you, Walter. You bet. Curtis, thanks for calling. Ten minutes past the hour gives Terry his turn. Terry's out in Gainesville, Georgia. Hey, Terry, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, I've got uh, English ivy in different patches in my yard, and I got one strip that's about 20 foot wide and 70 foot long. Right. It started last year, a spot in the center of it. They started turning brown. Ah, okay. And now it's killed all of it, uh, and there's nothing but basically dead roots there. Is this a place where water flows into it from a driveway or anything that has a lot of water in there? No, it's on a slope. Wow. A little drainage. Yeah. It almost looks like somebody sprayed it with Roundup or something. Yeah, I, I was going to say, the times that I've seen it, they just bare. You're exactly right. The leaves are gone and the stems are bare. They just sit there on the slope and look ugly for you. Most of the time when I see this, it's because water has been a little more accumulating around the roots or maybe water flows underneath it on a slope that leads to one of two or three fungal diseases that make the leaves have big brown spots on them and then they fall off. And a lot of times, Terry, what I see is that eventually it recovers, that eventually it sprouts out new leaves off of those roots, off of the stems, and you get new leaves over the next six or seven months or so. So I'm not going to tell you to go out and dig everything up and plant new ivy there, but to go and just sort of get down close to the stems and the, and the twigs and see if there's any little buds that are sort of sprouting out a little bit right now, and they may be what you have for your ivy foliage in the next year. But I just think you need to be very observant in there, and if it just looks like they're completely dead, they're brown, not a chance of life at all, then, okay, then dig it up and plant new ivy. Yeah, the, the roots, I mean, the, the vines themselves are very brittle. I yeah. mean, you can just take them and crunch them, they'll break in two. But are they green or brown? They're brown. If they're brown, they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. All right. In that case, uh, you know, there's a nursery in Gainesville. I'm sure I'll be happy to sell you some more English ivy to put out there. Make sure there's not water accumulating or you'll have the same problem again. Yeah, but the slope is so that uh, there's no water, no way the water could accumulate on it. In that case, you know, my only suggestion when you plant is to dig the soil up, loosen it up pretty good. Don't let it be solid red clay that you plant the ivy into. But that's your next job is to loosen the soil, dig it up good, plant the ivy. Okay, and I have another question if I could. All right, real uh, quick. Got about knock me out roses? Yeah, sure. There, uh, I had one rose bush that started turning real brown, and I sprayed it and uh, cut out the dead limbs, and it seemed to have saved it. Okay. But I've got another larger bush that it has just completely died. Way. Um, I did some little worms. That's why I sprayed it, the herbicide. Uh, yeah, the, the I, I don't see anything, but they just all turn brown. 
The worms that were on there were probably called rose sawfly, and you can look on my WalterReeves.com website to see if that if that diagnosis is right because I have pictures of sawflies on on rose leaves and all. And why the whole one died? I don't know, Terry. Um, sometimes yeah, I, I've looked at it and I don't see any worms or anything else. You know, go out and look at the bottom. Sometimes voles, those little meadow mice that chew the bark around the base of trees and shrubs, it could be vole damage. It could be a vole came out and chewed the around the bottom of the rose plant and that caused it to to die. That's a possibility. Just go out and pull the mulch away and see what you see. See if there's anything that indicates the damage from this point on is what caused the rose to die. That's the best I can give to you. Terry, i got to get out of here. i got to remind everybody that the uh, big breaking news, Tim Bryant's doing a great job covering this morning, is that Eric Erickson has disinvited Donald Trump to the Red State Gathering this evening, and their full details about that will be fully covered here on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. But if you're looking for Donald Trump tonight, uh-uh, he ain't going to be there. It's 8.14. We got Lamar in Auburn, Georgia, joining us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Lamar, good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm all right. What's up? Mm-hmm. Uh, sun's bright and everything's right. <laughs> good deal, Lamar. Let me ask you a question. What? I was going up, we had a flower in that garden uh, called Molding Fire. Oh, her burgundy plant right. grows right straight up about four feet high, and then the fall it turned red from the top to the bottom. Ooh, that is the summer amaranth, I'll bet. That's what it, I mean. Like you say, describe how the leaves look. They're sort of greenish, yellowish in the summer, and then they turn red as fire in the fall. Is that right? Right. I think that's called summer. Amaranth, A-M-A-R-A-N-T-H, and it's a beautiful plant. Is there some problem with it? It's a great plant. Uh, no, I'm trying to find some seed for it. Oh, you want some more of it? It looks so good. Uh, I look for the, the word amaranth, or summer amaranth. Summer poinsettia is another name for it because it's so red, but summer poinsettia or amaranth would be the keyword to look for. I, I've, I think that I've bought seed for it somewhere around it, pike probably, but if not, I'm sure you can get seed online from stores that sell seeds on the on the internet. But that's what I think it is, amaranth or summer poinsettia, I think is what you got. I appreciate your information. Thank you, sir. Keep it happy up there, Lamar. Thanks for calling. Carlton, where is Carlton coming from? Carlton's in Fayetteville, Georgia, where I'm from. Hey, Carlton, good morning. Good morning, Walter. This is Carlton Williams. Yes, sir. My beekeeper friend. How can I help, Carlton? I have some uh, new tomato plants I've rooted from cuttings, and I moved them to a very sunny place, and I wonder what your take on them producing in September, maybe. If it's up close to the house, where you're not going to get a lot of cold winds on it, in the first part of the of the wintertime. My mother, you know, my mother, she had tomatoes, and I know we've had tomatoes on Thanksgiving Day before that yeah. she harvested from outside. So if tell you... Her, tell her hello for me. I'll do it. But I think, hey. yeah, you got time to plant tomatoes and get some tomatoes on it. I think there's still a couple of months in here that we'll be able to grow a pretty good vine and get tomatoes. And if you're lucky, maybe by Thanksgiving. I had that question, and the people with the chipmunks and the deer inspired me to call you. <laughs> Well, how, was there a reason why that inspired you, Carlton? Well, I want to help them to share with them what I'm able to uh, deter the deer with. What, what with? I, I thought I would use the mothballs to deter the chipmunk from dig, digging in my plant. Yeah. That didn't work. Nope. Uh, I put, I took the, uh, I learned that the mothballs 
deterred the deer, so I take a piece of my wife's hose, yeah. put one mothball in the hose and tie it to the limb, and I guarantee you they don't bother it. Science says that that's probably not going to be 100% true for everybody who tries the mothballs in the hose, but my friend Charlie Tucker, who was the county extension agent, my boss in Clayton County long ago, said you can't argue with success. And Carlton, okay. if you've had success and then the deer not coming to your garden because you put the mothballs out there, I'm not going to argue with you. But if other people want to try it and see if it works, okay. But there's not a lot of scientific um, evidence that that works 100% of the time. So try it if you want to. But I don't think it's going to be the be-all and end-all for deer repellency in the garden. It's 818 at News Talk WSB. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Ackerman Security. Typical August weather pretty much all day long. Combination of clouds, sun. Afternoon highs in the low 90s and no rain. Afternoon lows are going to go to the upper 60s this evening. Light winds, clear skies, pretty much. Stay tuned. Atlanta's full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Don't forget you can pick up the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Sunday. In-depth news coverage and clip-and-save coupons up to $217. It only costs a few cents for the paper. Paul is in Roswell. Paul joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Doing fine, Paul. What's up? Well, I've heard horror stories in the news about declining bee population. Yeah. Well, nobody ever interviewed me up here in Roswell. <laughs> you got bees coming out your ears. You got too many well, bees. I got too many bees. I've had hummingbird feeders in my backyard oh, for yeah. years, and yeah. I've got three out there right now, and never had any problem in the past. But this this summer, I've got tons and tons of bees around them, and I do have the bee guards on yeah. there. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to hurt the bees, but you know, I don't want them taking my uh, my hummingbird food. So, I don't know if these are uh, if they can make honey with the sugar water, sure, or or if it's or if they're just feeding themselves and not making honey. I don't know what what's the scoop. What should I do? My understanding is they are making some honey out of it, and like you indicate, feeding themselves too. Um, another thing that I meant to, we had a call earlier this morning about sort of the same thing with yellow jackets and the guy's hummingbird or yeah, his hummingbird feeder. And one of the things I should have mentioned then, and I will mention now, is that hummingbirds are not always the cleanest, most fastidious feeders at hummingbird uh, sites, and so they'll sometimes have a little bit of sugar water that they dribble over to the edge, out from underneath the bee guard, and then the bees say, hey, look over here, there's a little leak. We'll come over here and, and eat from it. So one of the things you can also do, Paul, is to go out and wipe it down every day or so with a wet rag or sponge or something to keep any sugar only available through the bee guard where the bees can't get in there, but the mm-hmm. hummingbird can. And there are some, um, some what do you call them, brand names of hummingbird feeders that are just naturally going to repel bees. One is called the Humzinger, which is one that I have and have had till the got frozen one winter when I forgot to take it down and got cold, but the Humzinger was great. Humzinger is the name of it. Is that available in the big box store? Or I've never that? seen it. I've got it online. I think I bought mine on Amazon. Okay, Humzinger. Just remember to empty it and bring it inside. Don't let cold weather come to it, or you won't have one like I don't have one. <laughs> All right, well, I will uh, I'll try that, and uh, 
and hopefully I can get the hummingbirds back. Yeah, exactly. We want to feed them. They're pretty. They're nice. They're great to have around, and you just don't want to have the bees and the yellow jackets and things like that bothering them, too. Oh, you know something else that I just thought of, Paul? I have a picture that somebody took is the most amazing thing of where a gray rat snake, little common garden snake, had wrapped itself around the stake that held up the uh, uh, hummingbird feeder and was holding its neck out waiting for the next hummingbird to come up to that feeder. And the snake, I'm assuming, would grab the hummingbird and eat it. And that snake was just staking it out right there at the hummingbird feeder, which I thought was just amazing, fantastic thing. Yeah. I don't know what you do about snakes on your hummingbird feeder. I don't have any solution for that at all. Maybe put Vaseline on the steak or something. But uh, that's one more thing. One more thing to know about can happen in hummingbird feeders beside the bees and the bugs and things like that. Snakes can come as well. Right now it's 8:27 at News Talk WSB. More Lonnie Garden and a visit with Mickey Gasaway from Pike Nursery coming up. Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 835 on a Saturday morning, 73 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful with your landscape or your lawn or your trees or your flowers or your shrubs. Indoor plants, hey, we'll take it all. 404-872-0750. But this is the time of the morning when I look forward to visiting with my friend Mickey Gazaway from Pike Nursery. Hey, Mickey, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I am fine, and I have learned something new about you, Mickey. What is that? Something not generally known to the public, and that is that you are a master groundhog trapper. (laughs) I am. We got we've got two year pullouts, and we got one. No, yeah, yeah. We got and then this year we got one. We got one last week. So then he was going. He was tunneling under our house. Uh huh. And we have a lot of them in Dallas. I mean, we see them all the time now. So. So what did you do uh, to trap him? What bait did you use? Tell me more. What What did you use to trap him? Lettuce. Lettuce. Because that's. We just put some lettuce in there, and we put it right by his hole, and I think that's the key. And we didn't get him overnight. We didn't get him because Stan checked the trap that morning, and then we didn't get him until it was probably 9 o'clock in the morning before we got him because I don't think they're – no, I don't think they're just out at night. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're daytime animals. At nighttime, yeah. I think predators would come and eat them. Coyotes and things might eat them. So I see yeah. why yeah. daytime might be safer for the groundhog. So Not lettuce really. is a bait. The fellow earlier that I talked to about his groundhog, I think the groundhog eating all his cantaloupes. So you could put I, cantaloupes yeah. oh, in Well, I know they say whatever they eat. That's what when before when we had one, I called the extension service, and I said, hey, Mary Carol, what should we use? And she said, um, whatever they're eating. And uh. I had some lettuce in the refrigerator, and we used 
please let us both come and let's go for it. Got that groundhog. All right. Good to know that. Yes, and I got one more thing What's that we can do is hike sick, and that's the hummingbird feeder. The um, the other day, I had exactly the same thing. I had them. I bet I had a hundred bees mm-hmm. all over my, and they're all clustered on the little red things yeah, on the yeah. uh, thing. And I did exactly what you said. I wiped them off, and it did help. I did. There were still a few out there, but I think the hummingbirds this year have gotten. The, I mean, the and you know I've got bees, so yeah, I love true. my bees. I don't want to hurt them, and um, I think they've put it on humming. I mean, honeybee. Facebook. Hey, get on the <laughs> It's a good thing. You got two different creatures with two different needs, and you're trying to satisfy them both. Bees to get That's the right. nectar, and That's the hummingbirds right. to get the stuff that they feed on. But I think wiping well. it off, that was a really good idea. Yeah. So, what is the pipe pick this weekend? It is houseplant. Well, it's awesome things because this is the time to stay inside the house and because do your gardening cool. indoors. That's exactly right. And we do have some really pretty houseplants. Oh. They're really, really, we've got, you know, all different kinds for, um, you know, if you're a really good houseplant person or if you're not, we've yeah. got them all. So. I think the the plant that I find is most successful in most places is just a plain old peace lily. Spathophyllum, white flowers if you have enough sun, no flowers but a lot of green foliage in the, sh- in the uh, shade in the, the, inside the house. The golden pothos, another one that just seems to grow and no matter know, what one, you do to it. One I have... Uh, you know, got where I really like the last few years are ZZ plants. ZZ plants are a fabulous plants, yeah. They are great, and they'll do almost in the dark, and they're almost bulletproof. I mean, I water them maybe once a month. That sounds about right. Now, for listeners I mean, who didn't great. listeners who didn't catch that a while ago, its name is ZZ, two letters, ZZ It's got plant. a name. It's like Zamacuclea Zamacuclea or something like yeah. that. We, that's why we call it ZZ. Yeah, it's a ZZ yeah. plant. And there are different ones now. We've got some miniature ones. Oh, really? Yeah, and that are they're small, and they do really good. Sometimes it's hard to keep anything watered in a small container but those you don't have to water them very much and they're bright green they're pretty and you know and i know you've practiced too putting ice cubes on top of house plant yep. soil to water them real gradually and not get water all over the floor and that works great for most that works plants. great i gave all my daughters-in-law and my daughter a um, jade plant this year and they, none of them are gardeners and they said well what do we do with it i said just put a put an ice cube on it you know <laughs> and I, I think they're all still alive or else they're telling me stories if they're alive i don't know <laughs> they don't um, want to admit to you to you mickey the garden expert that they killed the plant and yeah oh. this is an ancient plant that's been in our family forever so but anyway house plants are great i hope everybody will come in and get check them out and remember tell the cashier that this is a house plant this is the weekend pipe pick uh, plant and they'll give you the 20% off so you have pretty house plants and again I think it's great Mickey that we could both notice plants that are just about bulletproof the spathophyllum and uh, the ZZ plant you just don't they don't die they just stay alive and you don't have to worry about doing anything special other than put the ice ice cube on them and remember too that uh, while it's warm like this if you've got a deep shade area outside Mm -hmm. I use pothos in my in a window box on my shed, yeah. the bright green one. You can yeah. get they're outside somewhere. Sure, outdoor. Pl- I mean, indoor normally indoor plants can be put outside for the summertime right. anyway. Look real pretty. Absolutely. Any classes? Any classes going on? Uh, no, not today. No bike. No bike classes. We have to rush people out to nine o'clock to see. Well, it's got got to go right now. It looks how late we've talked right here about our groundhogs and other things. House plants <laughs> on the pike pick list Sorry. this morning. <laughs> And Mickey, it's great talking to you. Where would we go to find the locations of Pike Nurseries around Metro Atlanta? At pikenursery.com. Of course. Mickey, it's great talking to you. See you next Saturday. See you soon. Stop. It's 841, and we've got, let's see, Tony in Cedartown's on the line. Hey, Tony, good morning. 
Hi, Walter. Thanks for having me call. Sure. What can I do for you? Well, we live up on a hill in a wooded area, and we've got some kind of disease that's attacking all our fruit trees, everything in our garden. Our blueberries are getting, looking terrible. I mean, it's just turning the leaves yellow and then brown, and then the stems are drying, and, you know, it's killing it. And wow. I'm just trying to figure out what that would be. Because there's so many different species of plants that you've got in your garden, it's not likely that it's the same thing. Not likely at all, because different diseases sort of they're, they're, they specify what plant they like to grow on, and other plants don't get any any harm from them at all. So my guess is there's something more environmental. Is it too much shade? Is there a lot of water? Is the ground real hard? Is it something well, like that? Uh, out, even out in the woods, it's you know it's in the trees. Okay. And that shade weakens plants. They eat sunshine to get their strength and to build themselves up. And if they have even moderate shade during the day, then a lot of plants just don't quite have the energy to fight off diseases and leaf spots and root rots and things like that. So that's a possibility. It's just the light shade that you might have that's causing the problems. Yeah, we have plenty of sun in the morning, but then in the evening it's, you know, it's shaded. Yeah. A couple of things. When was the last time you fed anything up there? When did you fertilize? Uh, Sharon, we fertilized. <laughs> uh, it's probably been a couple of weeks. Yeah, there's been a lot of conversations between husbands and wives this morning. That's why I laughed. A lot of callers this morning seem to have their <laughs> wife back in the background feeding questions to them. I the spraying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we, we try to keep it fertilized well. We put, good. you know, uh, chicken manure, and we've been putting good, good. Uh, lime, and what else, baby? 10, 10, 10, or whatever it is. Good Lord. You, you... Organic. We do a lot of organic yeah. fertilizing, too. Uh, sad to say, Tony, I can't give you a smoking gun. I can't say, oh, this is some leaf spot that's going around right now that you have to spray with this, that, and the other. I don't know specifically what's going on with your vegetables and the, and the other plants in the landscape that are not doing so well. If you can send me pictures or maybe do a little better investigation to give me real specific descriptions and clues and things like that, then maybe I can help a little bit to, to diagnose it. Go to our website and uh, click on the contact Walter so you can send me an email, maybe send me some pictures of things, that'd be good. But uh, send me stuff so I visually can look at the pattern, see if I detect anything that might be the smoking gun for you. WalterReeves.com. Contact Walter down in the lower right-hand corner. And your wife or you, one or the other, can send this stuff to me. We'll figure it out together. John is in Dunwoody and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John. Good morning. I've got a maple tree. It's pretty mature. It's 25, 27 years old. Yeah. At the bottom... About two feet up, it's got like four major branches or trunks that diverge there and go up and form the tree and everything. And there's one place in between some of the branches where it holds water. Ah, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid that's going to rot at some point, and that tree's not going to make it. Your instinct and my instinct, too is to drain the water out of the places where it's holding in crotches or limb holes or something like that. Drill a hole or what? It's the wrong instinct to have. The tree <laughs> lasts and can fight its own fights better than you and I can do to help it by drilling a hole and draining all that water out. Um, the trees, the way they seal off an area like that, the tree sort of knows that this is not a good thing to have water accumulating in that little crotch there. But the tree can sense 
that that is the case, and then it can wall it off. They call it. they put um, real real thick and un uh, unrottable cells around the um, damage around the wet area in the crotch. And so, if you drill through it, you're actually causing the more exposure to fungal problems that would in, end up rotting the base of the tree. So, my advice, and I think advice of most certified arborists or the smart people in the world, would be leave it alone. If you have a worry about mosquitoes, maybe breeding in it, put a little mosquito donut in there to them, but don't drill a hole in the tree. Okay, nothing I should put in it to let the water drain off? No, shit. no. I mean, if shit you want to, I guess you could, just off the top of my head, you might take an old cotton towel and put one end in the crotch and the other end hanging loose outside, and that would wick the water out. That would dry it out pretty good, I think. Hey, might try that. Look out, look out. That <laughs> might work just fine, John. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Phil's out in Oxford, Georgia, and Phil joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Phil, good morning. Good morning. Uh, just one quick question. Yes. I saw a variegated red bud in uh, Etowah, North Carolina, Yeah, and I have been trying to find some seedlings. Huh. Okay. Can't find them anywhere. I think it's called a flowering cloud. Uh, there are several of those really pretty, pretty, pretty red buds. There's, Forest Pansy's been around for 20 years. It has the purple leaves, but there's there are a couple. There's one morning sunshine and a couple more that are sort of a pretty yellow variegation on the red bud that I've seen. But now telling you where to get them, have you called Pike just to see if Pike has any on the in their uh, catalog or in their nurseries or anything? That's where I'd first start because Pike can order things in for you okay. and maybe satisfy you that way. There 